we think that the most effective the most effective way for people to come to church is for someone to personally invite them to come to church. We think that's the best strategy. I mean, we have we have ways of marketing. We put the signs up every week. We have stuff on Facebook. We have our website is incredible. That's that's definitely a, an effective tool because I've talked to people who've come to our church because of that. But I think when someone personally in, invites you to come, for one, you, they know that they're not going to be alone when they come. That they'll show up and there'll be somebody there to, to sit with them. And so that's, we just think that's the most powerful way. We'll have some time at the end for prayer. And if you want to grab some, then that'll be great. All right, so we're going to do something real quick. I want to find out who's in the room, okay? Who's in the room? And this kind of got generated by an experience I had this week. I got a phone call, and it was one of those, hey, what are you doing? And I know after that question comes another question. <laughs> like, hey, could you come help me, or could you come do this, or whatever. So this person called me, and I'm not going to say who it is because they go to church here, and I want to embarrass them, but uh, he, this person, I'll, I will say it was a he, because you just will appreciate this. This person calls me and says, hey, what are you doing? I said, hey, I'm... Just hanging, I said, well, do you have time? No, he asked me, do you have a gas can? Yeah. Do you have gas in your gas can? Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, mowing season's here. You know, does he need, is he stuck on his mower? Well, he goes, I'm at 435 and 120th, and I almost made it to town. And he goes, I'm, I'm usually a pretty good judge, you know, like how far I can drive on the, when the, the fuel light comes on. But in this particular case, I think it was the wind that held me back today. I didn't quite make it. <laughs> I did not take a picture when I was there watching him fill up his truck or put gas in his truck, but I sure wanted to and just put it all over Facebook. Like, don't be this guy, all right? <laughs> Selfie. Full service pastor, full service church will come and fill your car up for you. <laughs> so here's what I want to know. Just for the vote of, let's just, just do raise of hands. Now, no, you can't be in the middle here, all right? You can't, no lukewarm people in the room today, either one or the other. Are you an E-type? Like, I mean, it is like you push it to the limit to see how far you could possibly drive. Or are you an F-type where you have, like, man, as soon as your gas gauge gets down to like three-quarter of a tank, you're, oh, my, I could put some gas in my car. You just don't know. All right, so if you're an E-type, raise your hand. Like, risk taken, just like, all right, you're those type of people. Okay. And now the rest of you raise your hand if you're the F type, right? Yeah, no look where everybody's got to participate. All right. So about half and half, okay? Are you the first person at the store when you hear that a storm is coming? Storm is coming and you're like freaking out. Oh my gosh, an inch of snow, you know, or rain's coming. It's like, are you that person, first person at the store? Or are you the... Oh, man, we got a can of pinto beans, some frozen Twinkies, and a half bottle of uh, flat Diet, Diet, Diet Coke. So we're good, all right? So are you the first person at the store? Raise your hand. Man, you guys are living by faith. So the rest of you are like, man, whatever, we'll make it, we'll be fine. <laughs> awesome. Last one. Going on vacation. Are you... All the trip details planned out. I mean, you've got, you know where you're going, you know where you're going to stop. You got the, you're packed a week before you go, you're packed and you're ready to go. Versus, are you, I'll just throw some stuff in a bag, get in the car, see how far we can go until the, we run out of gas type person. 
Right? Are you the detailed person, plan it all out? Okay. Are you the, yeah, let's just go for it, spontaneous, let's just see what happens. I think we can get 10 more miles out of this stuff if it's not for the wind, all right? Well, here's the deal. The church, the body of Christ, is diverse and unique, and we need both types of ministry. We need people who are willing just to say, let's just do it. Whatever it takes, let's just make it happen. Let's go. That's how our church started. We had people who say, let's just let's go. We don't know what it's going to look like, how it's going to go. we got 84 days <laughs> to make this thing happen. And then we have people in the midst of that who are very detailed, and they're very planned out, and they're very strategic. And so I think it's important that we obviously have both in the body of Christ. So I just thought it was kind of a fun exercise as I was thinking about this person who, was, who ran out of gas the other day. I have run out of gas one time, and I was driving down to meet Trisha's dad and my brother, and they were meeting us halfway between uh, where I grew up in Kansas City. And on the way there, I was driving a friend's truck because we had to load something up, and I looked at the gas gauge wrong. I thought the way it was set up, it one meant full, but it actually meant empty. And about two miles away from my destination, I ran out of gas. And luckily, some guy was nice enough to pick me up. Um, it, was, it was crazy. But one time. Anybody else run out of gas before? Raise your hand. Yeah? Your car catch on fire? Anybody else have their car catch on fire? Yeah, driving home. Driving home. Man, I've never had that happen. So we're, gonna, we're, looking, at the, we're looking at the story of, of Jesus coming into Jerusalem right before right before this this week of we call the holy week right before his his death and his resurrection that we celebrate next Sunday and so we look at the triumphal entry and we're going to look in the book of Luke so if you have your Bible with you turn to the book of Luke and we're going to look at two a couple different passages but we're going to look at the kind of the beginning and the end in the book of Luke. And the reason why I want to look at the beginning, because, because I was interested in just kind of discovering, like, when was the first time Jesus went to Jerusalem? When was the first time he went to Jerusalem? Well, in Luke chapter 2, so go there first, Luke chapter 2, and then we'll, go, we'll turn back to the back of the uh, book towards the end. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 21 it says on the eighth day when it was time to circumcise him he was named Jesus the name of the angel had given him before he had been conceived and it says when the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord to my well, at least in Jesus' story, this was like his baby dedication. I mean, this like was the holiest of all holy baby dedications. I mean, Jesus, as an ch- infant, taking him to the temple and presenting him, it was actually required to present the firstborn son to the Lord, consecrating him to the Lord, saying he belongs to the Lord. And it was interesting that in that culture, they would actually give an offering it was called a redemption offering for, the, for their child. They would, they would give an offering to redeem their child, which was fascinating to me because Jesus, who is the ultimate offering of redemption for you and me, when he was a baby, his mom and dad gave an offering 
to redeem him. Now, it doesn't mean to save his soul or whatever, but it was just an act of obedience, an act of offering. Also, it goes on to say that there were a couple of um, offerings given by Mary to, for her uh, purification. She had gone through the birthing process, and there's a time of, of waiting until she is able to be purified. She's back, she can go back into the, um, to the temple. It's, I don't understand all, kind of all how that works, but, but she came and gave an offering. Listen to what it says. It said, um, Mary took him to Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was a righteous man and he was devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Last couple of weeks we've been talking about waiting. We're waiting for uh, Jesus to return. Here we are waiting this morning for Jesus to come back. We talked about in the book of Revelations, like he is coming. Behold, I am coming and I'm coming soon. And here we are waiting and we're waiting with patient endurance. Patience and endurance. And I know we've talked about this a few times in the last few weeks, but is there anything going on in your life right now that you need some patience and some endurance? Yes, amen. Amen, all of us. We're waiting for some type of consolation. We're waiting for some type of redemption in our story. And so there's Simeon, which... uh, it's interesting, when I was doing some research, Simeon's called the God Receiver. And this is powerful because Simeon receives Christ, the baby, into his arms. And it says there's a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts... And when the parents brought, him in, um, brought in the child Jesus to, to do for him as custom was the law required, it says Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. And he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you, now, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to the people Israel. Have you ever had a situation where you just felt like, I just need to, today I, I really need to go, like, even something simple, like, I just need to go to, I feel like I'm supposed to go to McDonald's and eat lunch today, I don't know why, I mean, like, I mean, it's McDonald's, like, why, like, God, really, God, that's where you want me to go eat lunch, and then you get there, and then you have this divine encounter with another person, and then you think, that's why I was supposed to go there today. Maybe you haven't had a whole lot of those experiences. Maybe you've had tons. I don't know. But I think it was interesting to me that Simeon said, motivated by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Now, he was a little different than the, story, the person, that's the next part of this story, who was there every day. But Simeon just felt like, you know what, today is the day I'm supposed to go. And I think if you get those kind of promptings and you feel like they're from the Lord and it's, it's obviously leading you into something good, not evil, obviously, then I think you should follow through with it and just see, God, what do you have for me today? 
that's kind of like those, the difference between someone who's like, hey, I want to make sure my gas tank is full, or hey, I'm just willing to go, whatever you, what are you wanting to do, God? See the difference between those two? And just if you feel like God's leading you to do it, just do it and see what happens. I, I live in that, that rhythm of grace most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. I'm just like, okay, Lord, what do you want for me today? I'm blessed with the flexibility to have this job as a full-time job, and I'm able to do that. And so you might say, well, in my context, it's a little bit different, but in your work schedule, in your lunch schedule, whatever it is, wherever God has you, say, God, what do you have for me today? And so in this particular case, Simeon's, what Simeon had, what God had for Simeon that day was for him to receive Jesus into his arms. Jesus, a light for, or, uh, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. That's good news for you and me as Gentiles because it was a light for, for us. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. Some skepticism is like, was she 84 or was she a widow for 84 years? If that was the case, she could be as old as 90 or to 100 years old, depending on the, the math, or maybe even older than that. Some say maybe 100 to 5, depending on how, when she got married. She could have got married at 14 years old. And then married seven years, and then she was a widow for 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. I think part of the word I would have for you today is, like, no matter how old you are, God still has something for you. Yeah, he does. He has, still, he has something for you to do. Someone asked me today, like, Brady, do you have all ages in your church? I said, yes, absolutely. We have lots of babies, and then we have this sweet, precious lady that's in her 90s, and a lot of people in between. And that's, no matter what age you are, God has something for you. And so there she is. She's there fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child um, to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. To all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem, I'm sorry. They were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And just, just real quick, some history. Right after that, you don't hear much more until Jesus comes back to Jerusalem when he was 12. They were coming back to the city for the Passover to celebrate the, the, um, the release of the captives from, Israel, from Egypt, the people of Israel out of Egypt. And they were coming to celebrate this Passover. And Jesus was there when he was 12 years old. And if you, if you know anything about that story, he uh, stayed behind to stay in the temple. And his parents, like three days later, were like, where's Jesus? <laughs> like, do you, do you know where he's at? We don't have him. And they had to go back and get him. And then you don't hear anything for 18 years about Jesus' life. 18 years. Until Jesus comes back and he's baptized. And then he goes into the synagogue and he, he basically lays out his, um, his mission. He tells people, this is why I'm here. This is what I was called to do. And he goes out into the desert. He's tempted for 40 days. Um, 
that was before he was, shared his mission. And then Jesus' ministry starts, and it's three years. Three years of Jesus absolutely changing the world. And then it takes us to the end of the story, which we'll get to in just a minute. I want to share a particular thought with you. In this text, when, it, when it's speaking about waiting for the redemption, uh, Simeon's waiting for Jesus to be revealed so that he, then he can go in peace. And, and in this text, there's this, there's this code for the people of Israel. There's this mystery in there that it's not, you don't, you don't see it written in English, but, but in, their, in their language, what they see is this, this thought of God taking notice of their situation. The phrase, and I had a sweet little girl help me with the uh, art today, pekod yifkod, Y-I-F-K-O-D, if you, it's kind of hard to see. Pekod yifkod, and this means, this, this phrase means God is taking notice. Okay, listen, right where you're at today, you can't escape God's taking notice of what's going on in your life right now. In your seat, where you are, He knows. He knows. He knows things that other people don't know because you haven't shared it yet. He knows your thoughts. He knows your, your heartache. I mean, he knows your joy too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's not all gloom and doom. He knows your joy. He knows what you're excited about. He knows what's coming tomorrow. He knows just like he knew when Simeon was going to come there and Jesus was going to be there. He knows that kind of, that kind of scenario is going to happen in your life. Maybe later on today. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe, maybe a long time from now, and you're going to have to wait patiently for that to occur. But he knows. Does that make sense? Because he's taken notice of you. You know, little, little kids, I love it. I just love the fact that a little kid wrote this. She was so sweet. She helped me this morning. You know, little kids love for you to notice what it is that they're doing. You ever notice that? <laughs> Hey, hey, look at me, look at me, watch me, watch me, watch me. Do you know any adults like that? Yeah, I'm like that. <laughs> hey, honey, hey, watch me. I saw this video on Facebook this week, like after your husband fixes something, the guy's like dancing, that's me. Hey, honey, did you see what I did? I fixed something, YouTube is awesome. <laughs> you can fix anything. <laughs> and I want, so, I want some notice, we want to be noticed, right? All of us want to be even if you're the most introverted person in this room, deep down inside, you want somebody to notice you. It's built inside of us. And here's this God of the heavens, the God who created the universe, who notices your plight today. And he sent Jesus into the earth, into the pla- onto this planet to redeem his people. That's why Jesus came. 
God took notice of our pain and our suffering, and he goes, I'm going to do something about it. Whatever it is that you're going through, God's going to do something about it. And this is not the prosperity gospel. It's not. It might be hard before it gets better, but God's going to do something about it because he notices you. That is pekod yifkod. He sees you. And this, 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 this whole idea of God noticing goes all the way back to the beginning when all the way back to the beginning where God's like, hey, where's Adam and Eve? And he noticed them hiding from him. And he comes and covers their shame. Even in your sin, God notices that. And that might scare you, but I hope that it comforts you as well because he, even in your sin, he wants to cover you and redeem you. In the end of Genesis, uh, chapter 50, you don't have to turn there, but Joseph said to his brothers, he goes, hey, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land that he has promised on an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Joseph made the Israelites swear on an oath, God will surely come to your aid, then you must carry my bones up from this place. God surely knows what you're going through, people of Israel, and he will come to your aid and he will take you out of this land. And that's what he did. And that's why we, they celebrated the Passover. That's why we celebrate what Jesus came to accomplish through his death and his resurrection to bring us ultimate freedom. Exodus 3.16, he says, Go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and I have seen what has been done to you in Egypt and I have promised to bring you out of your misery in Egypt into a land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezzarites, on and on and on, a land flowing with milk and honey. He goes, I have seen your misery. You might think, God, do you see, do you see what's going on? Do you know there's this temptation to feel like God has somehow forgotten? Like he is incapable of recognizing your pain. Now, he might see everybody else's pain, but, but does he see yours? Do you believe this morning that he sees yours? God, please, I hope that you do. I mean, it's one thing for your pastor to see it, and I hope you share it with me, and I get a chance to see it so I can pray with you, but it's another thing to know that you know that God has taken notice. I think about my youngest daughter, She's got a month and a half left of high school. And then she's got to make some pretty big decisions. Pretty big decisions. Does God take notice of her? Absolutely. Will we try to give her some wisdom? Yeah, absolutely. But my ultimate desire is for her to seek him and to seek his face first. To get the answer from him. Because we're going to find out here in just a little bit. It's not enough just for us to know that God notices us. But he's going to ask you this question. Are you noticing him? Are you looking for him? He says, when you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. If you're not seeking him that way, you're going to stay discouraged. You're going to stay frustrated. And you're not going to notice even this little nuance of, hey, Simeon, go to the temple today. Really, God? I went yesterday. No, no, I want you to go today. Something's going to happen today. And he went. And he got to hold Jesus in his arms. 
Luke 19. So flip on over. It's the triumphal entry. It's the, the passage that we that has probably been read on every Palm Sunday since we started celebrating Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is like the pregame, you know. It's the warm-up. It's the warm-up for the big game. It's the playoffs, I guess, maybe. Before Jesus gets to where he rides into Jerusalem, he takes notice of a man named Zacchaeus. It's an interesting thought. Zacchaeus, a sinner, not a very popular guy. He's not the guy you'd pick for your basketball team. He's just short. <laughs> and Zacchaeus goes to take notice of Jesus. And while he's in the tree, Jesus takes notice of him. And Jesus has a radical effect on Zacchaeus' life. And it wasn't enough for just Zacchaeus to know that he can have eternal life. But Jesus changed his behavior here on earth while he's waiting for eternity. Jesus changed all the details of Zacchaeus' life. And that's what Jesus does when he comes in and notices us. Look at verse 28, 19. Chapter, chapter 19, verse 28. After Jesus has said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and as you enter it, you will find a colt there which no one has ever ridden. That's kind of risky, isn't it? That's kind of like the E type of mentality. I'm going to get on a colt that nobody's ever ridden. <laughs> See what happens, you know. But this was planned out. This is pretty strategic, though. This was like prophesied by Zechariah years before this. So it's not, not like this was an accident that this happened. Untie it. Bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell them the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he told them. As they are untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? Duh. Hey, this is our cult. Why are you, don't just steal it. They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near to the place where the road goes down to Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Now, in Luke, it's the only gospel that doesn't re record the phrase Hosanna, which I'm not exactly sure why. But in the other Gospels, the very first phrase that you see here is Hosanna, which means to save. It, it means to God, notice us, notice our situation. Please come and redeem us from this mess that we're in. Please come and save us. Now, in that particular case, it was save us from the oppression of the Romans. Save us from the situation I'm in right now. Like, just help my situation today. And they're crying out, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And I shared this at the beginning of our New Testament study several weeks ago, that it's not the rock's job to praise the Lord. It's your job. It's your responsibility 
The rocks were created, spoke into being, but you have the very life of God breathed into you. And if he's going to breathe it into you, guess what? He wants to breathe it out of you for the rest of the world to hear it and to see, to praise him. And it's not just when we sing three songs in the beginning and one at the end, and then our praising is over. It is all week long. In the midst of God, you saying to the Lord, God, do you notice me? I don't even feel like praising today, but I'm going to praise you anyway. I think that's the time when you really see God the most. When in the midst of you're like, I don't want to. Maybe like a little child, you're stomping your feet. No. <laughs> Press through that. And on the other end of that, you'll see God working in your, in your situation. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. I love that side of Jesus. That personal, like just real I listened or watched this story this week about a young girl who invited a, young, a boy with Down syndrome to homecoming. And you've seen these stories before and you hear about how this girl, unlike maybe the rest of her friends, she said, you know what, I'm going to do, I'm going to go against the stream here and I'm going to invite this boy to go because nobody else will go with him. He's asked several girls and they all said no because he's different than they are. And she invited him to go. And of course, he was so excited, smile on his face. I share this with you because he took notice, or she took notice of this young man. And to redeem his situation, she put her needs aside, and she went to meet his needs. God calls us to live that life every single day. Now, here's the amazing thing. As a result of this, it gets picked up by some news channel who does this surprise squad thing. Anybody, ever, anybody else see this story this week? Did you guys see this? They rolled out the red carpet for this girl. Literally showed up in a Rolls Royce, took him to a nice dinner, gave the red carpet. They gave this young man a $10,000 scholarship for a culinary school because he wanted to be a chef. And then when it was all said and done, they took this 16-year-old girl outside and somebody gave her a brand new car. Not only did she take notice of what was going on in this young man's life, somebody else took notice of her needs and blessed her because of it. Now, I'm not saying that if you live that way, you're going to get a new car out of the deal. I can't make those promises. But here's what happened. The reason why I thought about this, I thought about Jesus just looking and weeping. I wept at this story. Like a little baby in my office, I'll admit it. Nobody else was there. This is an ugly cry. And I just thought, man, Jesus sees, sees these people. He sees their need. He says, I've come to notice you, to meet your need. And, it says, and Jesus goes on to say, if even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace? If you'd only known, if you'd only taken notice, but now it is hidden from your eyes. He's speaking to Jerusalem. He's telling them, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. 
And in AD 70, this happened, and Jerusalem was destroyed. They will not leave one stone on another. And listen, Jesus says, because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Jesus was like, I've taken notice. I'm here to redeem you. And you've missed it. You know, Jesus came to seek and to save what was lost. Don't miss it today. He's taken notice of you today. Take notice of Him right here, right now. Don't wait. You walk out of here, the worries of this world and the care of what's going on next is going to, is going to take it away from you. Don't miss it. Pakod Yifkod. Take notice. Jesus was their hope then. Jesus is your hope now. And Jesus will be your hope tomorrow. I want to spend some, um, this last few minutes that we have together with the worship team, why don't you guys go ahead and come on up and get ready. There are some scenarios in our world today that I think we just, as a church, we just need to, to speak into today through prayer. And one is the situation that's going on in Syria. If, you've, if you're not living under a rock, you've noticed it. You've taken notice. And I think as the body of Christ as a church, we are called, we're called to pray for our brothers and sisters, right? To lift them up, those that are suffering. Um, the hard thing is, is listen, we can't, we can't, if they were right in front of us, maybe we could pick them up and do something about it. But from where we're at, the one thing we can do, and I think the one thing God calls us to do is pray. <clears throat> another, another thing is, is another situation that's really burdened my spirit recently is the, the, the devastation and the famine that's going on in southern Sudan. Where literally millions of people are starving to death right now as we speak. And let's be honest, we're just, our stomach's growling, we're thinking about lunch. And I'm not, this, not, this is not a guilt trip, this is... This is to, for us to take notice of what's going on in our world so we can do something about it, at least through prayer. And then this morning, already, there's a church in Egypt that was bombed and people died that were there worshiping. Um, there's scenarios going on in, in America that, you know, Kansas City is like a hub for sex trafficking in our world. Like, Girls that are being trafficked, young men probably too, but trafficked right through our city, right before our eyes, and we don't even see it. And as a church, as the body, we need, we need our eyes to be open. God, what is it you want me to do today? Who do you want me to touch today? Who do you want me to be your hands and feet to today? Because that's what he calls us to do. He empowers us so that we can go then and be Jesus to other people in our life. 
Now, it's not as serious, but on a smaller scale, we have a precious family that Katie, raise your hand, Katie. Katie took a job up north in Minnesota. And she's leaving this week. And she's going to be gone away from her kids for six weeks before her husband wraps things up here. Pray for her husband because he's going to be home with the kids. Pray for the kids. <laughs> Not so much the husband. You know, and, and our heart's grown fond of her, their family. And now they have to go away. And that's hard for a pastor to process. But it's just the way things go. But we're going to press in this morning and pray. So Brady, Rogers, come here. I'm going to have Brady stand over here. So you just, you feel led to pray for the situation going on in Syria, the refugees and the, just the total devastation of life there. Brady will uh, be there to pray with you. Um, I'm going to have my wife stand over here. And if you just, whatever scenario is going on in your life, whatever you say, you know what, I want God to take notice of what's going on in my life. I know I was talking with a young friend of mine that she's got some stuff going on. She needs prayer for it. And Ron, will you come with you guys pray? And, um. And then, uh, then I'll just be right here in the middle, and I'll just, we'll, we'll pray for Sudan, okay? And so just like, just like the cards, you're going to have to come up to participate in this, all right? Or if you don't feel comfortable doing that, you can pray from where you're at. But I just, I just pray there's power, there's power when we get, come together and we uh, gather. So Brady's going to be praying for Syria, so if you feel led to just pray for that. Um, Southern Sudan, just the, the famine that's going on there. I'll be here in the middle. And Trisha's just like for all the other stuff that represents us right here in this room, all right? Just come and voice it out loud. Uh, let my wife pray for you or just pray for one another, whatever you want to do, all right? And there's more cards. I'm not leaving until all these cards are gone, all right? Get them out of here so that we can invite people to come next week. All right, let's worship. Let's pray. Hmm. Amen. We'll just allow them to continue to pray and and we do uh, we just ask that you would really just be prayerful about even just the weather next Sunday morning. It just it looks sketchy already, <laughs> the looking seven days ahead. But I pray the sun will come out. I pray that many people will come to hear the gospel. And that is the Jesus is the hope of the world. You know, we know that to be true. And the local church is the light of the gospel to the world and so that's who we are we're the local church and we're a community church and we just pray that many people will come there's lots of seats available so just be praying about that uh, this week if you are a uh, if you're a user of Facebook get on the church Facebook page um, and we will invite uh, we'll be inviting people this week to a prayer gathering um, on Wednesday night on Wednesday night and I was thinking Probably the best place to do this prayer gathering Wednesday night at 6.30 would be to come to the, it's called the treasure chest, and it's right next to Dairy Queen. There's a building that the school owns, it's called the treasure chest, and it's actually a local food pantry and clothing center for people in our community. But uh, there's a big room downstairs, and so if you just feel led to pray for Sunday morning and you want to gather to pray with some other believers, Wednesday night, 6.30, at the treasure chest and so we can pray if the weather's decent we can walk around the school and pray and just ask God to meet us here and take notice of what's going on right here in this place is that good Wednesday night 
the treasure chest right here close to Dairy Queen. Um, and I'll be, I'll be there and we'll be available to make that happen. So God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for taking notice of our situation right where we're at. Lord, take notice of what's going on in Syria, Sudan, Egypt, all over the world. And Father, would you be glorified? Would you meet people right where they're at so they will come to a personal knowledge of who you are and they'll receive the peace that comes in knowing who Jesus is. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you came prepared to give today, you can give as you're leaving. Place your attendance sheets in the baskets as you leave and pick up some more cards so we can get them distributed this week. Thank you.